Okay, could you please turn with me, adults, in your Bible to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is not in my notes, but I'm going to give you a little quick aside here, if that's okay. Um, we, have, we have several people out fishing right now. It's fine. It's all right. It's just Sunday. It's no big deal. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm blessed that we get the opportunity for some buddies to go fishing together. Um, man, fishing's great sometimes if you're good at fishing. I'm not. I would love to be, but I'm not. It's okay. It's fine. I'm just joking. Um, but... I want to just point this out to us who are here. We had a lot of announcements today. Um, we're doing a lot of things. Have you noticed that we're, like, we had St. Louis Help, Loaves and Fishes, our own work around the world, Diazme and family that we're trying to help, lots of things. Um, I'm, I'm pointing that out to us not because we are schizophrenic in our effort. Do you know what I mean by that? We're not, we're not weird in our effort all over the place. What we are focused on, though, in our effort is we have things in the body that our people are doing. So, like Diazme's family, um, I had met an elder from another church who's a friend of mine, and he was telling me about this Haitian family that he was trying to help, who he uh, has been in a relationship with them for 20 years. He's you know, visited them multiple times. He's you know, like a godparent kind of thing to their daughters and all this kind of stuff. And so I've been praying for him. And then one day, Joan has a prayer request for this Haitian family that she's trying to help, that they've met over the years. They stayed in his house. He's working in this orphanage. And I didn't put together that they were the same family. <laughs> and then later, I texted my elder friend guy. I was like, hey, is, is this the family? He's like, yes. And I was like, what? So that's cool. Because the Lord's, isn't that cool? That's great. But, but Joan and David have had a relationship with this family and now there's an opportunity to serve and help, and that's wonderful. And so we can serve them. We can also stand alongside the Platts. That's good. And so Ron Chenault has faithfully worked, and others, in St. Louis Help for a long time. Ron came and said, can we have the site here? Can we, can we we'll do the equipment? You know, people from the neighborhood have gotten to know that, so they just drop off medical stuff to us randomly, which is not my favorite thing. <laughs> not going to lie, because it's always weird. Like, here's a box of stuff that smells like weird things. Can you go through it for me? Like, that's how it usually works. Somebody gave us, let's stop. We get strange <laughs> donations. The church, here's what happens. People are like, what do we do with this? It's not totally broken, but it's not good. But the church could use it. That's what they do. Anyway, it's all right. It's good. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just playing. But, but what a great reputation. I'm joking with you. I'd rather have that rep reputation. And I'd rather have the neighborhood next to us bring stuff because they know we're helping people. Yeah. Yes. And if God uses that to capture them and bring them to the kingdom and introduce them to Jesus, amen. amen. That sounds like God, doesn't it? So in all the joking that I'm saying, amen, that's great. And we can do with Joe's band, who are pretty good. Their guitar player is better than me. It's great. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, they're a good band. But also they can say, hey, Loaves and fishes, we've, we love loaves and fishes. We've worked with loaves and fishes for 25 years, something like that. Praise God, at least 25 years. But Joe said, hey, can we do, could, do you mind if we use the building? Yes, amen, why? Because we love Joe, we love the band. We, but this is what we're, the church is doing organically. And I'm pointing that out to you to say, maybe you have an idea, maybe, maybe we can't do every idea. So if, if the answer is no right now, that doesn't mean you're shot down. 
But also, I hope you recognize, like, we want to we do stuff and support each other and see what God is doing. And sometimes it looks like very organized me saying, hey, guys, follow me. We're going to do this. Other times, it even, even seems almost in competition with what we're doing because we're raising money for a matching grant and helping a family and bring canned goods and medical stuff, and everybody needs money. So, you know, we could focus that in and just cut everybody else out, but then is the body being the body? Right. No. So I'm saying that because it's deliberate in how we're doing things. And please have a thick skin because not every idea can happen. It doesn't mean we don't want you to do stuff. In fact, I want you to hear, we want everybody participating in the mission. Sometimes you can serve and just go help a family or hire somebody. How, how is, that's wild. You can contribute to the, the, the kingdom by hiring a guy who can't fully work yet, though legal, everybody in interwebs, he's legal, he's here legally, praise God, all those things are good. So she's not telling you hire an undocumented worker. He's a documented worker in between stuff right now. He's a legal guy. And how can we help him while he's waiting for the actual job stuff to do, like the, the big job he's going to do? So we got to figure that out. Okay. But anyway, what a cool, that's cool. I just want to point out to us, the Lord's using us. And this fits together with what we've been talking about why we're in the book of Acts. How does God build his church? How does he build his church? And the reality is he builds it through people. He built, not through buildings, not through sound systems. And I like a good sound system. I like a good building. Praise God for that. In fact, I'm celebrating because Troy just bought a piece of land right in the middle of Troy this week. They're going to build a building on. Praise God. We need that for that congregation. Buildings are helpful. They're not the church. So that building will not grow Troy. The people will grow Troy. Just like our building won't grow us, well, God uses us, the people, to do it. And he also empowers us to do that. How cool is that he doesn't leave us alone? It's good. So Acts 19, how does God grow the church? We're going to read together. We're just coming through the word of God. And we're looking specifically at Acts 19 and 20 as we come through this series that we've been on on how God grows the church. We're talking about building God's church God's way. We started this uh, weeks ago when we first installed our deacons, our new deacons, because we're talking about church government. Um, we can have more specific conversations, by the way, about church polity and the governmental things and why we do what we do. I'd love to have those discussions with you. These, are, these thoughts are more, how, what is God doing in the church and how, the, how does that apply to us as his people to grow with him the way he's growing us? So what we're going to do is, as we sort of close out this series into the fall here, uh, we have several more weeks, but we're coming to it. We're going to wrap it up here um, eventually. Don't hold me to when it's going to be, but it'll be in the fall. Uh, as we do that, we're focusing in on Paul and his missionary journey, specifically in Ephesus. And so we're looking at that and what he's doing and what God is doing and who he's combining together with Paul as partners in the gospel to do good things. Last week, we talked about uh, Acts 19, and we started looking in verse 1 of Acts 19 of Paul in Ephesus, and we were going through this uh, just kind of an overview of what he's doing so that the whole of Asia ends up hearing the word of God. What an awesome thing that the whole of Asia ends up hearing the word of God. That's incredible. We're also going to find that there is not just smooth sailing and blessing. There is God's blessing, but there's also 
difficulty, challenge, suffering, beatings. Paul gets stoned multiple times and doesn't die. A lot of things happen for the sake of the kingdom. And so we're not going to just gloss over things because we want to look at what is God doing and what might he call us to do as we are faithful to his word and to seeing his kingdom expanding on the earth. Let's be clear, too. The only way to come to God, the only way for salvation is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You cannot work to make God love you more than him adopting you as his son. So as we read these things, I want you to understand God loves you as much as he loves Paul. And just because Paul's doing miracles does not mean God loves you less. That's important. It also doesn't mean that Paul is a better Christian than you per se. Now, Paul is a devout man, and we should follow his example in many ways. But we really only follow one example. Whose example is that? It's Jesus. We love Jesus. Our whole life is attuned to Jesus. So we do what he does. And Jesus did simple things and then also miraculous things. So Jesus did a miracle. I mean, he's Jesus. He did miracles all the time. He said we'd do greater things even than these. I don't know how that's going to work out exactly, but I know that God's going to use his people even with things that boggle our mind. However, Jesus also fasted, prayed, knew his scriptures, sought the Lord time after time, was attentive to the Holy Spirit and the Father in every circumstance. And so we can't gloss over what it looks like to follow the way of Christ, follow what he does and how he sets forth his pattern of living, which is very disciplined, actually, and not a rich guy and doesn't use flashy things instead shows up with the power of God. I would hope that every one of us would be, have faith, but trust more that as the Lord uses us, he will show up with power because he's powerful and because he loves us and because he's good. That's not meant to put us under pressure that you have to do powerful things. You are already beloved by God. You're already his. But also, are we expecting to get used the way Paul expects to get used? Or are we kind of just going through the motions sometimes? And the great hope that we have is we have a King Jesus who loves us and ready for this. He's even so kind to us, even when we're selfish or foolish or don't measure up to Paul. So today, as we read these things, I want you just to be before the Lord. Father, how can I honor you with everything I do? But let him drive it. Let him empower it. Let him do it. And you just be the vessel that God uses. That's good. So the pressure's off. Easy to say. Easy to say. So let's start reading together Acts chapter 19. We're going to continue the story we started last week at verse 11. Here's what it says. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook and invoke, to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them. That's terrifying. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and mastered all of them and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. 
And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it to come to 50,000 pieces of silver. That's about $33 million today, somewhere, 33 to 50 million. So the word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. Wow. The sons of Sceva are beat down, stripped naked, and wounded running out of the house. How incredible is this story? How incredible is this story? Extraordinary miracles are happening so that people are taking stuff that had touched Paul, and they are taking it to people who are sick, and they're being healed, and evil spirits coming out. You know God can use a handkerchief? That's awesome, isn't it? But here's a bigger thought. How did that handkerchief get to somebody who was sick? Somebody took it, right? Now, let me ask you this. Does God imbue things with magic powers? Like we ate communion today. Does this bread give you special magic powers? It's not kryptonite. It's not special DNA-enhancing mutant stuff. It's not ooze that'll turn turtles into ninjas. Like, yeah, some of you got that. <laughs> it's just bread, right? But there's spiritually, there's things with it because his body was broken for us. And symbolically, this bread, it's his body broken for us. And he really is with us when we eat it. He said he would never leave us or forsake us, but we eat this and he says, you must eat my flesh. What he means by that is, I gotta be in you. You gotta be one together. And so we spiritually know it's, yeah, it's bread, but also he's with us. We're with him, and he's empowering us. The bread itself, though, is just bread. And yet there are major consequences if you eat it in unbelief. Paul tells the church in Corinth that even some people were dying because they were eating this meal wrongly, which is why David said last week and this week, if you don't know Jesus, this is a covenant meal. First, come to him, then you can eat it. Don't eat it otherwise. Because we want to care for you. This is also one of the reasons that we have elders stand at the tables. Because if a visitor comes in, we're trusting them that they've heard and they know. But also, if one of us, if we've been talking offline and something's funny, don't come to this meal where you're going to eat judgment on yourself. We need to know we're walking right in Christ. This meal is important. It's not magic. It's his word. He said this is what we should do, and his word's powerful. And so is there power in a handkerchief? I don't know. I don't think so. But does God, sometimes even with faith that's misplaced, bless his people? Yes. Isn't it more likely, doesn't it sound more like God, that a servant of the Most High, a Christian, maybe a young Christian, sees Paul drop his handkerchief and he's like, God will use it. And based on his own faith, he goes and puts it on somebody and the Lord's like, yeah, okay. Because why? Because he's kind and good. Because the Lord's loving. And because God is even using people with weak faith who need a handkerchief instead of praying themselves. But God still shows up. How amazing is that? And the demons flee? Wonderful. What does that look like today? 
really different, doesn't it? Really different. Honestly, this is super relational, too. We don't tend to have that much relationship with people anymore, and that's not to chastise us. That's just to say, are we building relationships the way God does and the way he builds people? Probably is a good gut check for every one of us, myself included. But also, the Lord's name is so admired by the people that even unbelievers are calling on Jesus' name and Paul to try to do something special. So these exorcists, these Jewish guys, they're sons of the high priest. That's a big deal. So they are high-ranking. They have the right pedigree. The problem is that right pedigree doesn't mean anything if they're not in Jesus. Because when the demon answers them, the evil spirit, he says, Jesus I recognize, or Jesus I know for sure. Paul, I recognize. Who are you? What would be their answer? We're sons of the high priest. We have the right pedigree. We have the right ethnicity. We have the right education as the high priest's sons. We're all together, unified as a family. You can do a lot like that. And yet, this evil spirit who does not recognize them or their claims attacks them, beats them, strips them naked, and they go running out of the house. These are famous people. These are not no-name people. And so the word about them spreads everywhere. What does that tell you about the name of Jesus? And what can stand against his name? Also, our pedigrees don't mean anything. Don't mean anything compared to Jesus. But if you're in Jesus, you are in his family. If he's the head and you're the body and you're part of the church, you belong to him, you are united to him, he is yours and you are his, he's your older brother, your chief priest, your savior, your champion, your life, your source, he's your bread, he's your way, your truth, he's your everything, and then you stand in him and somebody says, I know Jesus, I recognize Paul, who are you? And you say, I am a child of the most high. What will that demon do? See, they just had the wrong answer because they don't know him. There's no magic. There's no incantation. There's no magic special word. There's no abracadabra. Instead, it's knowing him, the source. If you know him, it changes everything. And that's the key. That's the, the great hope of this little passage here where we see people who are just throwing themselves on Jesus. And then when they see this, and the people who have the wrong answer because they're trusting their pedigree, they're trusting their station in life, when that doesn't work, what happens is the fame of Christ goes everywhere. Because if they couldn't do it, but these no-name people can do it by carrying handkerchiefs, they, how could a handkerchief do it? But not the sons of Sceva? We all know who that guy is. He's the high priest kids couldn't do it, but a handkerchief did it. And it's not the it's, it's Jesus. And people who bear and carry his name. What an awesome privilege that is, because you're in that heritage. We're in that heritage together where we carry the name of Jesus. And then there's a really important thing that happens in chapter 18. Those who are now believers, these are Christians. These are people who have called on the name of Jesus. They come out because they've been doing things in secret. They have past lives and stuff they want to hold on to. 
they start to confess and divulge their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts, which is super common in this part of the world. And if you want to have a leg up, if you want the best stock tips, or you want the best business practices, or you want to have a good relationship, or you want to be fertile and have a baby, or you want your land to be fertile and grow crops, you better have the right magic books. And so we can trust those things because they never fail. I got the right algorithm for my stocks. They work just right. And instead now, they see the power of the name of Jesus. And knowing him and being in a relationship with him, these other things they're trusting can't compete anymore. And so instead of relying on them in secret, now they come in the light of day and say, we will not have this amongst us anymore. Nor can I give it to somebody and sell it though it's valuable. Because think of all the legalistic people who are like, you could have sold 30 million, 33 million dollars? You could have sold all of it. Think of the, we could build orphanages everywhere. We could build churches everywhere. We could train people everywhere. We could help, what could we do for the Haitians? What could we do for living hope? What could we do? 33 million dollars? But instead, this stuff, it doesn't compare to Jesus. His, his power is beyond. Handkerchiefs can heal people. And it's not the handkerchief, it's him. And compared to him, this book I have that I think is going to be the salvation of my life, i got to get rid of it. And I don't want anybody else to look at its pages and be deceived like I was deceived. And I will not stand on it anymore, though I want to come back to these things. And though I'm tempted to start to look at my crops that are failing and do an incantation, I will not because Jesus is the source of everything. That's the declaration that's happening. Every revival, every revival in history from the time of Christ, from Pentecost on, looks like one common thing. And sometimes it's power, but it's not power. That's not the answer. There's one common thread every time throughout the Bible, throughout history, of any time God's Spirit moves. And when God's Spirit moves on a people anywhere, it looks like repentance. It looks like divulging the practices. It looks like coming to Christ's way. It looks like turning to him in relationship. It looks like remembering that he is the way and the truth and the life and nothing else will compare. It looks like righteousness and peace and joy. It looks like pure love and devotion to Jesus and not a mixture of things. And we see that everywhere from the time of the prophets on. And this little passage, so short, this little passage is telling us how does God grow? He does not grow the church through laser shows. You know what? Laser shows are super fun. If we did a Christmas thing out here with laser shows, the neighborhood would lose their minds. They'd be so upset because laser shows at night, they would not. They don't want lights and stuff, you know. We would get so many letters, and it would be super fun, right? Because lasers are fun. It's not the laser show. It's not the fireworks. It's not the tent revival. It's not the big sound thing. It's not those things. Those are not bad. Those are just things. In fact, they're super fun things. When you go to the Cardinals game and somebody hits a home run and the fireworks go off, it's awesome. How much more when we praise the name of Jesus? It would be great if we had fireworks. The problem is we're so weak, sometimes the fireworks become the focus. And that's what was happening here. Believers had fireworks as a focus where they were looking to the algorithms. They were looking to just the right thing. They were looking to these solutions that were apart from God. And then seeing God's power come, they were... They were thrown asunder in their whole life. And when they came out of that, they saw Jesus. And they said, I won't have any of this junk anymore. 
That's the mark of the growth of the church. That's the mark of any church that's preaching the gospel. It's repentance, coming to him, Lord, forgive me. I trusted this. I will not trust it anymore. I will trust you. And public. It's public. Because these are believers who are bringing this junk out. You know, I'm sure they were shocked. Because there's so much. It's, this is fortunes. You know, this is probably passed down in family lines too. So this is breaking away from the heritage of my family that gave me this. This is all I have left of great-great-grandpa. And it is not worth anything compared to Jesus. That's a huge call. That's a huge call. And that's how God grows. And that's what God has done for us. What should we do with that knowledge? What should we do? You know, I was going to go all the way through chapter 20, but that's okay. <laughs> what should we do with that knowledge? Boy, he's greater than all the things, isn't he? I'm going to tell you in vulnerability, sometimes it's easy to slip into old ways of thinking and trust other stuff. I can do it. I'm, I have a proclivity sometimes myself, personally, because I um, like to work in the last minute in the urgency of it. Some people call it procrastination. It's not procrastination. It's, um, it's, it's good under pressure. That's what it is. Um, have you ever told yourself this lie? I can finish it in the morning. Oh, man, I have so many times. That it never works. And it's one in the morning, and you're like, I don't, I'm going to go to bed. I'll finish it. I'll, I'm setting an alarm for four. It's going to be fine. It's not fine. It's never fine. When you're 20, it's fine. Doesn't work. If you're 22, get ready. Be careful. If you're 25, it's over. Stop doing it. If you're past 30, nope. Past 40, don't even set the alarm. It's not going to work, right? This is, let's be honest. But we dupe ourselves into this, I can do it. I can trust me. And we even spiritualize it sometimes. Oh, God's given me talent. I can do it. I'm going to trust the anointing, or I'm going to trust the gifts, or I'm going to trust my intellect, or I'm going to trust ChatGPT. The AI will help me. Or I'm going to trust whatever it is. It doesn't matter. I'm not against the AI. That's just a computer. Who cares? My point is, are we coming to Jesus or not? And I'm telling you, for me sometimes, my first, my first thing I want to do is I'll sacrifice my rest. I will sacrifice my sleep because I don't need to sleep and I'll get it done. Does that sound like God? It doesn't. I'm saying this to myself. That's not the Lord. Because at the end of the day, I can't do it all. But he can use a handkerchief. So am I going to really trust me when he can use a snot rag? <laughs> I mean, come on. And so instead, we have to look into ourselves and say, Lord, I want to do what you do. Lord, I want to show up. I, I'm telling you, don't all of us. Not, I'm not just because I'm a preacher. Every one of us. You want to walk into Thanksgiving dinner and see your cousin who's got the uh, stubbed toe, and you're like, in the name of Jesus, healed, and they're healed. And then that Thanksgiving is the best Thanksgiving because everybody gets saved, right? You want that. More than that, you want to be the first one at a car accident, and you raise somebody from the dead. I don't know. Maybe that's too big. Maybe right now you're like, whoop, you lost me there. <laughs> Possible? Maybe you want to be the one that, in your business, 
funds are going down and down and down. We're going to have to do layoffs. And you stopped the meeting and said, let's just pray. And the next day, something changed. And the boss says, what did you do? Maybe that's more realistic. Maybe you want to be the one to do a concert and get enough food that comes in that it sustains people through the winter and helps change St. Louis. Maybe you want to be the one to do an anonymous $100,000 matching grant. Maybe you want to be the one who, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. At the measure of your faith, fill in the blank. Maybe your faith right now is, I want to have a healed back so I can help stack the chairs. Praise God. I want that. We all want that, don't we? How do we get there? Let's be faithful in the little. And let's look at our hearts and say, Lord, is there anything else? Maybe I'm not directing the attention of my faith away from the stuff that I want. And instead to say, Lord, what do you have for me? Maybe I just need to grab somebody's snot rag and take it with that kind of faith. Maybe my faith can be, I'll just try praying for that coworker. Maybe my faith can be that that uncle or cousin or aunt or dad or mom or kid who was lost to the world in every way, there is no hope for them. Maybe today I'm going to reignite. Lord, you can use a snot rag. So right now I come against those evil spirits in Jesus' name. Lord, I am going to call them in 10 minutes, but I'm praying first to say, Lord, let them pick up the call this time. Lord, let me today be able to say to them wisdom from your word that changes their heart. Father, I need you because I want to see them saved. Lord, I know you have a hope for them. Lord, I am I'm holding to it that you are better than me and you are better than the junk they're on. You're better than the addiction. You're better than the evil spirits speaking to them. You're better than the junk books they're reading. You're better than the internet stupid. You are the Lord of all things. And faith suddenly rises in you. Why does it do that? It's because it's him. We're in relationship with him. He's the one that does these things. He's the creator. He's the master of all things. But that's the church. And instead, we put our faith into, Lord, help me make it on time. And that's all we got. And I'm being honest with you. And I, I'll just use my, I don't need to rest. It'll be fine. Instead of, Lord, I come to you. I need you. You're my source. You're my everything. And now I'm going to go to bed. And tomorrow might really stink, but I'm going to trust you. I was dumb to let it we'll go to the last minute. All right, here we go. And then in our humility, no incantations, no special thing. You ever tried to write an email while driving with text talk? Because you should have done it last night in traffic, and it picks up all the other things you say? <laughs> Get out of the way, dummy. <laughs> Middle of the thing. I've done that. Thankfully, didn't send it. I mean, this, this is real. I'm just being honest with you. Let's start also by being honest, because some of us have witchcraft books at home. Stuff generations. Generations of ways that we were taught, this is how you trust. Trust these things more than we trust the Savior. It's time. It's time to put them down. It's time, even if they're expensive, to say, Lord, nothing. I don't want anything in the way of me and you. I will serve you. And Lord, I don't know where you're taking me. But I know where you brought me from. I know what you can do. I know what you did with the church. Lord, I trust you. Lord, unite me to the people that I need to be united with. Walk me the way I need to go. Lord, I want to see you glorified more than I want to see my kingdom come. I want your kingdom to come. 
And that gut check is hard sometimes because we all want a legacy. We all want great things. We all want the blessing. We all want the stuff that the incantations promise to us. And they never come true. They never come true. But with him, you're a heritage bearer. You're a son and daughter of the king. You're one of the most high's people. And now when the evil spirits speak to you, and they might speak to you after today, what if you pray for your cousin and the evil spirit responds and says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I heard about. Who are you? How do you respond? And I'm telling you right now, if you know Jesus, you have the right heritage. You have the power because it's him. There's no magic. And you say, uh, oh, stop, demon. I belong to Jesus. And if he jumps on you and tries to beat you up, you go, get out in Jesus' name. Why? On your authority? Yeah. Yes, because you're a son and daughter of the Most High King. And he's the king of the world. And so, yes, on the authority as a family member of Jesus Christ, redeemed by his blood, you will get out. And let the Holy Spirit speak through you and righteous anger come out instead of the fear and trembling and nakedness. Because at the end of the day, what is God showing? They've got nothing. They, but you have everything. You have him. You have everything. And if somebody shows up here next Sunday with a black eye, wow, we're going to have some meeting, won't we? I mean, seriously. Because that's, that's what was happening here. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't want anybody hurt. God forbid. But also, to, when we come together, if it's just, here's what happened this week, and we did this, and doesn't that just get you going? It's like when you start that new pyramid scheme business for the first, like, two months. You're all about it, right? Because of what it can do. And, but, and that's, we are, people are like that. But we've found the king of glory. He's found us more, more righteously. He's found us. He saved us. He brought us out of slavery and death. He made us his. He gave us authority to be called his children. And now we get to actually do this? Wow. And if your faith right now is, I don't think God will ever use me like that. Okay. Pick up somebody's snot rag. Straight, honestly. Lord, I don't know. Judy seems to pray a lot. I found this handkerchief. <laughs> Put it in there. Go away, demons. I don't know. Try, but if you believe in Jesus, let the rock of your foundation be him. How do you do that? Be like Jesus. Take some time in a disciplined life. Pray, seek him. Honestly, today, I've said this before, and it's my favorite application to any sermon. Take a nap and rest in Jesus today. If today you're like, I've got to do, I've got to, it's got to happen, it's the Sabbath. You say, Lord, I trust you. Take a 30-minute nap. It will wake up your soul because you're exercising relationship with him. Isn't that, that's awesome. How is that possible that the application to do is take a nap? But I'm telling you, it's the, this is the gospel. The grace of God is so sufficient. His power is so good. His work is so complete. At his name, the demons flee, and you get to take a nap. That's awesome. It's awesome, isn't it? And trust him. And then, tonight, tomorrow morning, that person that's been on your heart that you know you need to tell about Jesus, just tell him. And if the evil spirit speaks to you, you stand on your authority in Christ because you belong to Jesus. 
If you don't belong to Jesus and you don't know if you have any authority, today say, Lord, I repent. Bring this junk out that you've been trusting. Any, whatever it is, lay it before him and say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be yours. And the Bible tells us if you repent, if you come to him, he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness and bring you into himself. Trust him. He's our salvation. His death, his resurrection, he's our life. Amen to that? We all stand. Let's pray. Father, we're so blessed to be yours. Lord, I pray today that you would relieve the pressures inside of us. Lord, I pray that today the anxieties that rise up, things that happen, unless, Lord, a pressure is holy pressure from you, a call to repentance or a call to trust you more, Lord, I pray that all the other things would drain away and instead you would replace that anxiety, that pressure, with authority. That we would stand on the authority of your word, on the authority of your calling, on the authority of Jesus Christ himself, who is ours because of your covenant. Lord, help us to know who we are. Help us to serve you with passion. And Lord, where we have trusted anything else, Lord, forgive us. Lord, I ask you that you would give us holy rest today and that you would give us great labor tomorrow. That, Lord, as we go back to our work, whatever it may be, that we would honor you with our hands. And also, Lord, as we proclaim your word, Lord, give us boldness from your Holy Spirit that's beyond our measure. Because, Lord, we call upon you. And, Lord, we, we tell you in vulnerability, Lord, we are not enough. Lord, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what to do. Lord, sometimes we're nervous. But you, O oh God, you are powerful. You are mighty. You are mighty to save. Your blood is enough. Your cross is enough. Your resurrection is enough. And so, Lord, we stand on your authority and not our own. Lord, we stand on your heritage, your pedigree, your grace, your work, not our own. And so, Lord, if any evil spirit answers us and asks for our identity, I pray that you would bring us quickly to you. That instead we would say we belong to Jesus. And, Lord, at the name of Jesus, let every demon flee. Because you, O oh God, are good. Lord, use us, stretch us, bring us beyond what we think we can do because you are leading us. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. Use us according to your will, O God, for the glory of God the Father and the glory of your Son, Jesus. We praise you and we look to you forever. May you know today his great calling. May you know today sonship and daughterhood in Jesus Christ, that you are his, that his power has saved you. And may you know the leading of the Holy Spirit, that he would bring you into situations that you think are beyond yourself, that you might do things for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.